I'm Greg Jarrett. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Charles Payne, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, January 22nd, 2021. I'm Trey Yankst. New policies under the Biden administration are being welcomed by nonprofit organizations like CARE. It, it goes back to some of the lessons we're learning with COVID-19, which is fundamentally um, with this disease, we no one is safe until everyone is safe. And, and it underscores the critical need for the United States to play a constructive and engaged role in global health and humanitarian response and international development. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. Amid a global vaccine rollout, ongoing advocacy work, and the need to help people in all corners of the globe, NGOs are welcoming the Biden administration's move to rejoin the World Health Organization and get rid of policies that make it difficult for NGOs to operate in certain communities. One of those policies is the Mexico City policy that blocks federal funding to NGOs that provide services related to abortions. A number of decisions were were announced at the World Health Organization executive meeting earlier this week by Dr. Fauci. For more on this topic, we're joined by Ben Weingrad, a senior policy advocate at CARE. Including um, two around the World Health Organization and uh, efforts to address COVID-19 globally, which is critically important because um, what we saw over the past year is a a real step back from the United States in terms of global health leadership. And in a situation where you have an all-hands-deck approach to to addressing the the worst pandemic in 100 years it's really critical to have the u.s at the table providing leadership providing um coordination with with other nations care works with who around the world and so we were very concerned when the u.s moved to step away the other announcement um Dr. Fauci made with regards to WHO, which was really important, was the decision that the United States was going to participate in two programs, one called COVAX and the other called uh, the ACT Accelerator, both of which are aimed at distributing vaccines now that we have them globally. And again, making sure that vulnerable communities around the world whether they're extremely poor, whether they are marginalized groups or or groups living in refugee settings, are able to uh, receive this vaccine. And so this makes the U.S. a player in getting equitable vaccines out to countries that aren't capable uh, at the moment to to distribute them effectively. So the third step that, um, or the the third policy that that Dr. Fauci announced was... um, the imminent rescission of what's known as the Mexico City policy or global gag rule, which is, some folks may have, have be familiar with because it's a policy that has been rescinded or imposed off and on since the Reagan administration. And what it states is that um, organizations that receive certain types of funding from the U.S. government cannot, with their own funding, um, uh, either perform or refer or uh, uh, patients to to receive abortions, even if that's legal in the country we're talking about, the country in question. 
the Trump administration um, greatly expanded this policy from it, it initially applied to organizations receiving uh, family planning funding, so funding for contraceptive assistance or, or uh, counseling, to all global health assistance. So going from covering around half a million dollars in funding to over $9 billion in funding. And that includes things like the incredibly important and successful um, AIDS program called PEPFAR that began by President Bush. The work that CARE is doing around the world, often focusing importantly on women and children, how does a policy like the Mexico City policy affect the work that CARE is able to do? And now that the Biden administration is taking a different approach and allowing NGOs to operate and receive federal funds if they are participating in references for abortion services and the like around the world, how is that changing the work that, that CARE is able to do and, and the aid that CARE can provide? Sure, it's a great question. Um, I think the, the fundamental challenge of this policy for organizations like CARE, and more importantly, um, local organizations that CARE and other big NGOs partner with, is that this has a real chilling effect on work that can be done, um, especially since this policy was so dramatically expanded. Um, a good hypothetical to, to sort of illustrate the impact is if you have a clinic in a country where abortion is legal and they receive U.S. government funding to do a measles, camp, uh, measles vaccine campaign, for example, which has nothing to do with reproductive health services or, or abortion. Um, if they also have a, a clinical practice, a doctor at that clinic who sees patients with funding provided from another source, if they were to so much as refer a patient to abortion services, that measles vaccine money would be at risk. So what this does is it puts severe restrictions on what a doctor or a clinic can do with its own money. Um, and we've seen that have a really dangerous impact and chilling effect on a lot of different policies. Um, the uh, AMFAR AIDS Research Foundation in the United States found that 34% of uh, implementers of the, the PEPFAR program, which is the marquee U.S. program to combat HIV-AIDS, reported service disruptions due to the policy, either because people were afraid of running afoul of it, because it um, meant that they could not uh, attract um, practitioners or, or that practitioners were, were unable to to fulfill their work, and it, it had an impact on things as broad from as pregnancy counseling and, and condom provision to even cervical cancer screening. So it's hard to overstate the disruptive factor that this had. You've been listening to Ben Weingrod, a senior policy advocate at CARE. We'll be right back. Seems like really it's going to give not only CARE, but NGOs around the world uh, the ability to operate, uh, sort of as you noted, without being concerned of uh, losing federal funds. Because a lot of the space, especially in a place like a refugee camp, it's not like New York City where you can go to a different clinic for every different medical condition you have or need to have addressed or, or need references on. 
oftentimes people are relying fully 100% on NGOs for their survival and all their medical needs. So it certainly takes away some of that gray area and those concerns. I do want to ask you about COVID-19 and, and the work that CARE has been doing around the world to address some of the issues that COVID-19 has caused outside of simply getting the disease. Uh, we do know that uh, world hunger numbers are increasing as many countries and, and areas are receiving less aid, but there are organizations like CARE that have stepped up efforts as a result of this pandemic. Uh, talk to me about some of those efforts and, and how they've progressed and changed as the pandemic went on. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question, Trey. And, and I think a lot of aid organizations and, and experts are, are really concerned, just as concerned with the secondary impacts of of this pandemic as they are with the, the pandemic itself. As you mentioned, food insecurity is extremely concerning as um, people are not able to get crops in the field or get them to market um, and, and social safety nets are deteriorating. We're also seeing really frightening increases in domestic violence and gender-based violence. Um, and that's something that we've seen here in the United States as well. Um, partially due to the lockdown, partially due to stress on families. Um, and, and there is also concerns in um, humanitarian and, and refugee settings where, as you mentioned, um, uh, health systems are already strained and, and already really seeing difficulties. Yeah. CARE is, is working to really meet the these secondary challenges as robustly as possible. Um, working at the community level to build out safety nets, um, to, to mobilize community members both to engage on virus surveillance and prevention through working on producing masks and, and just checking in on each other in the community to microfinance work and, and work to... Um, uh, address um, the impacts that, that this lockdown has had on, on gender inequality. I think one of the things that we have seen is that these secondary impacts of the virus fall disproportionately heavy on women. Um, we saw during the West Africa uh, pandemic of Ebola in, in a few years ago, that maternal deaths spiked by, I think it was about 60%. Um, due to the strains on health systems and people being concerned about going to uh, to doctors. And, and that is something we're really worried about happening again, is that these routine medical services are either unavailable or people are too worried to get them. And, and so making sure we're able to engage communities and make those services available is really important. Certainly. My last question has to do with policy and the state of affairs in Washington right now. You've got... Democrats controlling both the House and the Senate, and also, obviously, the Biden administration, Democrats in the White House. We're expecting to see stark differences when it comes to foreign policy, uh, the support of international aid organizations, and the like. Under the Trump administration, there was this America First initiative that many saw as isolating the U.S. from the rest of the world. Despite the fact there were ongoing crises, such as trying to combat world hunger and slowing the spread of disease, not just COVID-19, but numerous others that NGOs are working around the clock to battle. Where do you see opportunity in the next four years for an organization like CARE to work with lawmakers and be able to 
push forward a policy that allows for this work to continue and also to be bolstered by U.S. funding and support? It's, it's a great question. Um, and, and I think uh, it, it goes back to some of the lessons we're learning with COVID-19, which is fundamentally um, with this disease, we no one is safe until everyone is safe. And, and it underscores the critical need for the United States to play a constructive and engaged role in global health and humanitarian response and international development. Um, for decades, uh, the U.S. role in global health and, and development has been bipartisan. And we continue to see that in Congress throughout the Trump administration. We saw Congress reject attempts to cut foreign assistance by upwards of 30 percent. Um, we, we saw strong support from Mitch McConnell, from the House Foreign Affairs Committee ranking member Mike McCall, from uh, the, the top Republican in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, Jim Risch, really speaking about the, the importance of all of this. And I, I think um, one of the, the few things that has kept me going during this very difficult time in, in Washington is that even when everything has become so uh, ground to a halt by partisanship, the importance of, of the U.S. playing a constructive role continues to see uh, strong support in Congress. And, and the events that we saw earlier this week at the WHO meeting really show that the, the Biden administration shares that view of, of the U.S. playing a constructive role. And, and my hope is is that this could be an area of an agreement that uh, maybe folks can get around the table and, and then find ways to agree on other more fit, thornier issues. Uh, certainly could be a start for much more bipartisan efforts in Washington. Yeah. Ben Weingrod, a senior policy advocate at CARE. Ben, thank you for joining us today on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure, Trey. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.